Hello and welcome to a Monday, March 20th edition of the Sports Ethos NBA DFS Today podcast. I'm your host, Harris, and I'm taking over today for Santino as we have a fun six-game slate to be able to start the week after what was a pretty exciting weekend for those in season-long leagues. I'm sure you guys are coming either to the finals or you know deep into the playoffs if not like a couple of my friends who actually were able to win a championship in that so lots of exciting season-long implications to come along here as well but as always dfs is front and center and we really are getting into the crunch time of it over here halfway through march really into that stretch run going right into the playoffs and there's a lot of teams fighting for seeding so we're hopefully seeing Less people actually sitting out, more people actually getting themselves onto the floor, and more opportunities for that beautiful value that DFS always does offer us on a nightly basis. But of course, before we get into it, as always, get yourself onto sportsethos.com and get yourself subscribed to that DFS pass, giving yourself access to not only that incredible live injury report, which is ever so important given those last minute questionable tags turning into outs or them actually getting onto the floor, which is always great, but all of it has implications and you can always keep up with it as well with the DFS Pass, getting you access to our Discord to let you ask the pros all the way up until lineup lock to make sure that those last-minute changes don't catch you blindsided. But let's get right into it here with a six-game slate, the first one of the night, Indiana going into Charlotte to take on the Hornets, a 234 game total for this one with the Indiana Pacers favored to win by one and a half. So looking like I'm going to have a close one on this game here. As far as injuries are concerned, the major one continues to be Tyrese Halliburton, who has been ruled out not only for this game, but on the minimum, at least you know three out of the four games they're going to have this week. So that is going to be interesting as far as their entire uh, postseason run, all of that is concerned for them. And on top of it, we know that Benedict Mathurin is also questionable for this game. He has missed four games in a row and looks like it may be another game that he's missing, but you definitely want to keep yourself up to date on that. On the other hand, as far as Charlotte's concerned, really the major one is Mark Williams, who is going to continue to be out. So likely get to see a little bit more of Nick Richards starting there. But jumping right into where the value comes in here, really it's that kind of 5,000 to 6,000 range that has continued to be exceptional for Indiana in that time that Halliburton has been out. So the combination of Andrew Nemhard, TJ McConnell, and Jordan Nora have continued to be three guys that have relied on pretty heavily here with an extra emphasis on Jordan Nora, who's just continued to show a huge growth as far as his offensive game is concerned. We're starting to see him consistently take double-digit shot attempts. He's putting up anywhere between three to six three-point attempts every game as well, and has been sneakily good on the rebounding side of things as well, given the fact that he is a little undersized for that kind of 3-4 combo. But regardless, his price tag having gone up to 5400 is still giving you a very solid floor from where he has been. Last three games have all been 30 and above. In fact, four of the last five games have been like that with really just the one Detroit dud in between. So really lots to like with regards to his fantasy outlook, his offensive opportunities at the moment with the, the Indiana Pacers as beat up as they are. And I really like him for that price tag. And TJ McConnell is the other one who much as we saw earlier in the season, just continues to put up excellent numbers anytime he's getting the minutes that he is getting right now. 
and that is anywhere between 27 to 30 minutes pretty much guaranteed whether he is starting or coming off the bench it doesn't really matter but his expanded usage is apparent and he's been able to consistently drop around 30 as far as his floor is concerned as well with his ability to be able to drop those bigger assist games and get himself into the 40s on a good night now of course a little bit of that upside does get brought down when he is in that 6,000 range, so he's probably a little bit more safe as a cash option, but don't sleep on him as far as GPP is concerned as well, because Charlotte's defense will always allow people to have big nights on their end, especially guards who continue to find opportunities for their teammates who are going to cut to the rim. Pick and roll is just absolutely deadly against the Hornets, and we're going to see how much of that Indiana can take advantage of between McConnell and someone like a Miles Turner. On the Charlotte side of things, there's a couple of guys that I do have a little bit of interest in, and it really goes back to that mid-tier value. Now, I do think P.J. Washington continues to be a very solid play for Charlotte all the way through, and his 5800 price tag only makes him that much more enticing to me. He's been consistently sitting in that 6,000 range and obviously had you know that little bit of time off with his injury and had been taking him a little bit of time to kind of get back into the groove. But what's really heartening to me is just the shot attempts. He is consistently getting 15 or more with uh, this current Charlotte's offense. And really, even if he's not having the most efficient of nights, he's able to make it up with the fact that he'll usually get you five to six boards alongside a block and a steal. So nice little area to round off his stat line giving you a floor that's somewhere between uh, 28 to 30 on a pretty regular basis here so again 5800 gives you a lot of comfort with being able to start off with that 5x value and then he has that upside if he can get his offense going which he very well could in a game that is a you know 234 total so a lot to uh, like as far as the pace of that is concerned as well and on the other hand, I do also like Nick Richards in general. Uh, obviously had a little bit of foul trouble in the last game, only played 13 minutes. And of course, against Embiid, no one really does all that well. Embiid has been on an absolute tear. So I wouldn't really put too much stock into that, but it has brought his price tag down to a point where you should feel pretty confident of him being able to rack up a low-end double-double at the very least in a matchup that's not as paint-heavy Miles Turner, more of a guy who can stretch you out and should not deal to as much foul trouble as far as Nick Richards is concerned. So we're going to have to see what kind of minutes he gets here. But as a GPP throw, I really do like his upside. We've seen him get into the 30s and 40s on a night where he can get to somewhere close to 30 minutes. And really, it's just up to him to stay out of foul trouble to get exactly there. Moving on to the second game of the night, it's Chicago going into Philly to take on the Sixers, a 225 game total for this one, and the 76ers favored to win by eight on this one. As far as injuries are concerned, really nothing major on this side here. As far as Chicago is concerned, we do have Caruso on the questionable list over here, while P.J. Tucker is also questionable on the other side for the 76ers as well, but the regular rotation kind of remains as is. And I'm going to kind of stick with where I have been from pretty much the beginning of the season as far as Chicago is concerned. As long as all three of DeRozan, Levine, and Vucevic are healthy, they kind of eat into each other's usage, and all of their price tags as a result have been around that 8,000 mark, which is pretty fair for what they do. One of them will usually be the one to outperform it, but trying to pick which one is going to be able to do that has been a bit of a fool's game, and I've found myself just avoiding that altogether. So really where I've been looking as far as Chicago value is concerned has always been kind of in that lower to mid-tier. And in this case, both Patrick Beverly and Kobe White are in positions for me to really like where they're standing. Uh, Kobe White kind of showed his upside in that last game where, you know, 3,500 of his price tag ended up dropping 33 DK points on that one, four threes. And it really just comes down to 
whether he can get his shot going because we do know the minutes are going to be there for a Chicago team that needs as much offense as he can provide and given the lack of depth in the bench otherwise. And of course with Caruso being out that just potentially adds even more additional minutes to Kobe White's plate so we'll see what that looks like. While Patrick Beverly just continues to be that kind of Swiss Army knife for the uh, for the Chicago Bulls not necessarily taking a ton of shots although he did find himself to 10 three-point attempts in the last game against Miami, which I wouldn't necessarily bank too much into. He only played 24 minutes to be able to do that, so it was a bit of a interesting and off game for Patrick Beverly. But what is always good about his stat line is he'll always be able to get a sprinkling of a little bit of everything as far as the stat sheet is concerned. He'll get a couple of rebounds. He's going to get three to four assists, and he's also always been a sneakily good guard as far as steals and blocks are concerned. So I always like his floor and the fact that he's sitting at 4,400 here. I don't see how he can't get himself into a mid-20s DK point night at the very least and given the fact that he is going to be spending a lot of his night on James Harden probably get a little bit more as far as his minutes total is concerned as well to try and deter that Philadelphia offense which has been kicking into high gear as of late moving on to the Philly side here though this is going to be one of those games that, as much as it probably will hurt me to say, is I am going to be avoiding Joel Embiid in this one. I've been taking him pretty heavily, especially over the last week. I liked a lot of those matchups that he had uh, up against you know, some front courts that either he would be able to dominate or would be just great matchups for him to have the offense run through. In general over here, I think Chicago... Apart from the fact that I don't actually think this is going to be all that close a game, I also do think that Embiid is going to not be as necessarily dominant in the sense of his price tag over here. 11600 is about as high as it has gotten over the last month over here. And as much as I love Embiid and the fact that he is now front runner for MVP is probably pushing him to continue to push his last kind of stretch run here, get Philly as high as possible and get themselves into the best position they can. I actually do like James Harden's outlook in this game a little bit more. He's again back in that sub 10,000 range over here. 9,900 is always one of those price tags that whenever I see that for Harden, I'll have just automatic interest in general. I do think that it's a pretty incredibly safe floor. He hasn't really had a dud game in a long time. And for him to be kind of in that sub 10,000 range in a game where Really, I expect him to take a little bit more of the reins offensively. Uh, Chicago has been a little bit more vulnerable on the guard side over there and really, in general, hasn't been great defensively, but it's really been guards that have been taking super advantage of that uh, kind of undersized uh, Chicago defense, especially in their backcourt. So expect James Harden to have a very, very solid game tonight. In the two games that he has played, which is really, you know, kind of creepy on this scent is that he's averaged 45 DK points, but he's only shot six of 30, which I absolutely expect to change uh, on these uh, on this upcoming night over here. He's not going to continue to shoot that badly in a matchup that's actually pretty good there for him. And he kind of gets himself in his own head and really he needs uh, one of those games to get himself back on his regular track there. So we know the rest of his stat line is always going to be there. The points should hopefully be there tonight to get him to a solid 5 to 5.5x on this night here. Moving though on to the next game, which is Minnesota going into New York to take on the Knicks. A 228 game total for this one with the New York Knicks 
favored to win by eight and a half, which isn't all that surprising given who is out and questionable as far as Minnesota is concerned. Uh, first and foremost, we know that uh, Carl Anthony Towns is continuing to be out, although looks like he's making good progress, so hopefully he will be back on the floor sooner rather than later. Uh, Rudy Gobert is also questionable for this game with uh, his ankle, though he has been playing through it, so wouldn't be surprised to see if he gets himself back on the floor, while Anthony Edwards, who is also questionable for this game, uh, will you know, see if he actually ends up getting on the floor here since he is out of his walking boot now. Although I wouldn't be completely surprised for Minnesota to take it easy with him given the fact that they really have nothing to absolutely push for right at this moment. Uh, it's probably better to make sure that everything is looking good for them given the fact that they'll likely be a playing team over there. So let's see how it goes. On the New York side of things though, there is a little bit of interest on here. We do have uh, really no injuries, but it's going to be pretty interesting to see with these price tags actually making a little bit of an adjustment who we're looking at over here. But jumping first of all right into the Minnesota side, we have, in my opinion, one of the uh, nicer picks today, which is going to be Jaden McDaniels. I do expect that uh, first and foremost, given the fact that both Rudy Gobert and Nas Reed are questionable for this game, if any one of them do happen to sit out, that just increases his outlook that much more. We've already seen McDaniels take a much bigger offensive role in the time that Anthony Edwards has been out, has seen himself get 29 shot attempts in the last two games that he has played, and that's uh, allowed him to be a very solid fantasy contributor, averaging about 35 to 36 DK points in that time. So a 5,000 price tag gives you a lot of sweet GPP upside for him, and that small forward power forward eligibility allows you to be that much more versatile in terms of where you're going to fit him into your lineup as well. And I think much of that fits in with Mike Conley as well, who hasn't, uh, who hasn't totally, you know, blown the roof off. He had an amazing game against Chicago, but then was a bit of a dud in that Toronto game, which was a bit surprising given uh, what his offensive outlook should have looked like in that game. Only took eight field goal attempts, was a little passive. So I'm sure he is going to be looking uh, to get himself kind of back onto the right track over here, and his price tag given the fact that he's going to be playing anywhere between 30 to 35 minutes, is a very solid one for a starting guard who does usually have pretty good usage. So 5,500, definitely someone I have interest in. And kind of sticking with the guard side of things, on the New York side, I do think that uh, Jalen Brunson, first and foremost, is going to be a pretty uh, solid favorite for me in this slate in general. Uh, his price tag has taken a bit of a dip given the fact that he's had a couple of off games and also had been uh, dealing with a, a minor foot injury that caused him to miss a couple of games as well. But looked good in that uh, first Denver game that he returned, played his full allotment of minutes, and even though he didn't necessarily you know, light the world on fire with a 35 DK point night, his 7500 price tag gives him more than enough cushion for you to be able to kind of take advantage of that in a matchup that is going to be faster paced, is at home, and is against a Minnesota team that hasn't been great defensively, especially in the backcourt. And given the fact that Jalen Brunson is the kind to be able to kind of side his way through and get into the paint, kind of sneakier than you'd expect, I do think that he's going to have a pretty good free throw night on this one as well, which always helps kind of bring the rest of his value back into play. So Jalen Brunson, 7,500, he's going to be of interest to me. And I also think that RJ Barrett, who is himself been a bit of a roller coaster ride for the last couple of games now, just continues to be that bit of a dart throw that has that upside to be able to to you quite well on a night. Now his price tag has actually gone all the way down to 6,400, which does give you a little bit more cushion to deal with that roller coaster that he does offer. So I wouldn't necessarily say he's a cash favorite or anything for mine, but 
for a uh, for both GPP and Cash. I do think he is in play given the fact that she's always going to have the usage that he is. He's always going to have the field goal attempts that he continues to get. It really just comes down to whether his ancillary stats can back up uh, his shot attempts and also whether he can shoot at a decent field goal percentage, which he has been doing for the last two games. So let's see if he can go ahead and keep that going in this Minnesota matchup. Halfway through the slate, moving on to the fourth game, which is probably the most exciting game of the night, which is the Dallas Mavericks going into Memphis to take on the Grizzlies, a 229 and a half game total for this one with the Memphis Grizzlies favored to win by two. Now, the it's interesting news that you're going to have to keep up with is whether Luka Doncic and, and or Kyrie Irving are going to be able to get themselves onto the floor. Uh, Kyrie did make his way back in that uh, Lakers game last Friday, and he's had three days of rest here. So even though he is technically questionable with his uh, foot injury that's been bothering him, I have a feeling, just kind of fingers crossed, and also for my own season-long fantasy, because I have him, that he is going to be able to get himself onto the floor for this one. While uh, Luka Doncic, who is also dealing with a thigh situation, he has been um, making positive positive moves towards getting back has been what 12 days off now so we'll see if he's able to get himself onto the floor definitely keep an eye out on that live injury report on the memphis side of things we know that john morant while technically done with his suspension is still dealing with some uh, reconditioning to get himself back on the floor so he is not going to be playing this game at the very least uh, he might be back for their next one which is going to be on wednesday so we'll keep an eye out for that and Jaron Jackson is also questionable for this game with some soreness in his calf. So we'll see if uh, he's able to get onto the floor, just given the fact that he has been absolutely killing it for the last three games and has really kind of picked up his offensive load and altogether just been a real just a real terror as far as Memphis is concerned, both on the defensive end and the offensive side. They're really going to be hoping he can get on the floor while Memphis continues to deal with that time away from John Morant. As far as value is concerned on here, on the Dallas side of things, really where we've been seeing, apart from, you know, obviously Kyrie coming back and having a very solid game, is that Christian Wood has been slowly getting his minutes back as a result as well. You know, we had been seeing kind of late in February, early in March that he had really kind of gotten himself away from in the major parts of the rotation. It had only been playing anywhere between kind of like 18 to 22 minutes, which was obviously killing his value, who otherwise is a very solid points per minute contributor and just to me is incredibly important to whatever Dallas actually wants to do. But last two games, 28 minutes, 34 minutes in closer games, actually playing in crunch time situations, which is going to be important for them in general, leading into their postseason run as well. And I do expect in this game, he is going to get more of that opportunity. Whether Jaron Jackson is there or not, Memphis in general does the throw out a bit more of sides in the front court and does give a little bit more kind of opportunity for the lineups to work, which allow Christian Wood to get on the floor. So I expect that he'll be sitting somewhere close to that 28 to 30 minutes on this game as well. And for that 6,700 price tag, I really do like his GPP outlook to be able to do quite well there. While you know, if Kyrie's there, that has definitely killed off the value of uh, someone like a Josh Green or Jaden Hardy, both of those guys who have been really enjoying, from a personal standpoint, the time with uh, both Kyrie and Luka out. So if Kyrie does, in fact, sit out, then Jaden Hardy definitely comes back into play at 5,100 and Josh Green at 5,300 as well. But if Kyrie's back as usual, I will probably be avoiding them. On the Memphis side, though, I am keeping a good uh, eye out on that Jaron Jackson news because Xavier Tillman would be where I'd be looking otherwise if that does end up being a situation where he is sitting out. Uh, Xavier Tillman himself, who's been up to 5,400 now, has had 
you know, his minutes back into that kind of mid to uh, mid to late uh, 20s, which is more than enough for him to do well. He's a sneakily good rebounder and got a double double in the last game as well against the Warriors, which was a very solid performance for him in a uh, in a big win for the Memphis Grizzlies there as well. And I expect that he will be the starting center and just plain and simple uh, playing anywhere between 30 to 35 minutes if Jaron Jackson does end up being out, which makes him a very solid play to be able to take. And then again, going back to just offense from Jaron Jackson that would kind of roll out to the rest of the team over there. Uh, Dylan Brooks, who as much as I kind of dislike taking in general, uh, has been uh, playing pretty solid ball over the last uh, you know four to five games over there. Uh, 5,000 price tag, not a terrible price tag for him given the fact that he is playing the minutes that he is. And if Jaron Jackson is out, that 10 to 11 field goal attempts that he's been taking in the last couple of games likely moves up into the mid-teens. So that helps a, a little bit on that side. And we may end up seeing a couple more minutes coming towards uh, some of those value plays like Santi Aldama and David Roddy as well. So definitely keep an eye out on that injury report with regards to Jaron Jackson because his uh, result is going to have a bit of a butterfly effect on the rest of the rotation for the Grizzlies themselves. Second last game of the night, we have the Golden State Warriors going into Houston to take on the Rockets, a 237.5 game total. So between this one and the next game with the Kings and the Jazz, these are the highest total games of the night. The Warriors favored to win by 10, which... You know, one of the funniest stories of this entire season has been the Warriors' absolute inability to win anything away from home. Their record, which is sitting at a solid 500, is uh, 29 and 7 at home while being 7 and 29 away from home, which is hilarious. So hopefully, from the Warriors' perspective, they're able to go ahead and get their eighth win on this one. But from a value perspective over here, and from an injury perspective, really, it's just been kind of. And the same kind of thing. I do think that both, uh, you know, Steph Curry at 9,800, while we're talking on this side, is been, you know, a bit kind of priced a little bit higher than I'd like to be able to take him, given that it looks like he's been taking a little bit more of a, I don't want to say relaxed role, but he's clearly got, you know, his eyes set on the postseason itself. So we haven't really been seeing those Curry explosions nearly as often as we had gotten used to kind of earlier in the season. And what we have been instead seeing is kind of the emergence of some of these uh, some of these ancillary pieces really start to get more involved with the offense and given the total that we're seeing here and you know I dare to say the point spread given that how the Warriors have been doing away from home but I do like Jonathan Kuminga 5300 over here again that small forward uh, that power forward center eligibility gives me a little bit of uh, a little bit of leeway in terms of how I fit him in but he has been getting far more involved in the offense just plain and simple uh, he's going to be an important bench unit player especially with uh, Wiggins continuing to be out, but just in general, how much the Warriors really do like Kaminga for his offensive upside. 5,300 last game uh, and the game before that has been getting anywhere between 26 to 30 minutes and has been getting on an average 14 field goal attempts in that time as well, which both of those uh, add up to a very solid floor option for him while he's been getting more rebounds than he's been necessarily expecting as well, given how uh, things have kind of been going for their rotation. So I wouldn't necessarily be banking too, too much on those ancillary stats, although he can still get you four to five rebounds alongside uh, one to two assists as well. So that just helps to get you a little bit more comfort on that 5,300 price tag. But I expect that he'll get more minutes here. And 
just regardless of what uh, the game itself is looking like, in general, he started to just become more trusted within uh, within some of those key rotations for Steve Kerr. So we'll see what that looks like, and I do like him for his 5300 price tag. While at the same time, Jordan Poole, who's also dropped quite a bit as far as his uh, price tag is concerned, hasn't really had that one game to kind of get himself really back on, on the mark over here. Now, I'm not going to necessarily say that this is my uh, favorite uh, play to be able to throw out there because I've been speaking about a couple of guards earlier on who I probably like a little bit more, whether that be Conley at 5,500 or even uh, spend the 100 more and get R.J. Barrett as my small forward instead and kind of fit it around. But really, I, I think Jordan Poole could be an interesting contrarian play over here, uh, especially if the game gets a little bit out of hand. Uh, they're going to try and get him a little bit more going as far as the offense side is concerned. 6,300 has been a pretty uh, good spot for him. He's been usually able to get into that kind of high 20s, low 30s as far as DK points are concerned. So not the worst floor to be able to go. And uh, if it can be one of those nights where the pool party makes a resurgence, it could be a good night from a GPP perspective for you. But where I do continue to like the guards is on the Houston side over here with Jalen Green continuing to be my favorite guy on Houston to go day in, day out. I feel like I've just ridden with him all season and I want to say 70% of the time, 75% of the time he's kind of come through for me for the fact that he's sitting in that 6,000 range as far as his price is concerned. On a heater himself, uh, two straight games now where he's had uh, 44 or more DK points, culminating in that near 50 DK point night against uh, New Orleans over the weekend. They are coming on a back-to-back, -back, but again, that's not necessarily been a huge problem as far as he himself is concerned. So at 6,800, he's going to be one of my favorite guards to be able to take on the night in what should be a fast-paced game, a lot of offense coming through, especially in the backcourt. So let's see what Jalen Green can do tonight on what should be an exciting one. And and Kevin Porter Jr. as well. While he is a bit more expensive and as a result you know, not as exciting to me as Jalen Green has been kind of the more, I want to say, consistent out of the two. He's sitting at 8,000 now after you know, a pretty solid uh, bunch of games as well against the Pelicans there. He's probably more of a cash play than a GPP one, which I think Jalen Green would be instead. But definitely something to keep in mind when you're kind of looking at that perspective as well. Last game of the night, the Sacramento Kings going into Utah to take on the Jazz. And as I alluded to earlier, the highest point total game of the night, a 240 on this one with the Sacramento Kings favored to win by five. So lots of fireworks to happen tonight in this one as far as fantasy is concerned. And there are a lot of things to look at as far as your potential lineups are concerned. Uh, first and foremost, as far as Sacramento goes, uh, Kevin Herter, who is uh, questionable for this game, has been uh, dealing with a little bit of injury on, on his side as far as his knee is concerned. We'll see if he's able to make it on the floor. While on the Utah side, Jordan Clarkson remains out uh, with his uh, finger injury and is not there. While Laurie Markkinen, who's dealing with a back issue, uh, he has been playing over the last couple of games, but he is listed questionable for this one. So that's going to be definitely a big big news item to keep and uh, keep track of as you go through your fantasy lineups starting with the sacramento side and really just comes down to what prices are making sense and De'Aaron fox who is um one he's been absolutely awesome this entire year but has been on a little bit of a slump over the last couple of games has first and foremost 
been great against Utah this year, averaging nearly 50 DK points in the two games that he has played against them, shooting over 54% from the field. So I expect this to be a game where he can get himself turned around. Is all the way down to 8,200, which for a guy who's consistently shown that ability to be able to drop a 50 DK point night, gives me a lot of leeway and a lot of room for me to like taking him on this night over here. And he's going to be from a Sacramento perspective, the key guy that I am looking at from their side. Now, that being said, I do also like Malik Monk in general, uh, regardless of the fact that his minutes have been a little bit up and down. He just continues to have so much upside as far as his pure offensive game is concerned that if he can have a game like he did against Washington, even if he's only playing you know, 23 minutes, he was able to drop 35 DK points in that one. Now, it's not necessarily the most repeatable one, but he's shown it again and again that he's able to rack up points in a hurry. He's able to rack up threes in a hurry, and that helps a lot as far as his uh, floor is concerned from a GPP perspective. So definitely not a cash game play, but someone to look at when you are looking at that late night hammer and a guard that you want to go ahead and throw in there. On the Utah side, though, there's a lot that I have interest in over here, and it just comes down to kind of that 5,000 to 7,000 range over here, starting first and foremost with my favorite power forward play on the night, which is Kelly Olenek. And Kelly Olenek, who just is coming off a great game against Boston. His old team was able to drop uh, 38 DK points on a 13 and 13 night, which is not necessarily what you expect. He's not a huge rebounder of the ball, but uh, has just continued to show great versatility as a stat line is concerned. And for someone who can play anywhere from 30 to 32 minutes a game, while also playing like two or three different positions, even though he's listed as a power forward. It just helps so much with uh, what his outlook looks like. And he continues to be a guy that I do really think is going to be super important and have a great night over here. So 5,700, definitely look into him. While Taylor Horton Tucker has just continued to love life in the non-Jordan Clarkson era. He's pretty much running the point while being a kind of shooting, uh, shooting guard, small forward mix has been racking up assists in the name of almost seven a game in the time that he has been given those primary ball handling opportunities while also shooting anywhere between 17 to 20 shots a game, which is just excellent as far as uh, what his floor is concerned. So given the fact that we have a huge 240 game total on here, what should be a pretty close game, and the fact that Taylor Horton Tucker is going to be playing a ton of those minutes to be able to try and keep this game close as far as Utah is concerned, definitely someone to keep a huge eye on and especially if the Laurie Markkinen news ends up being him not actually playing for this game then that becomes pretty much all the offense running through Olenek, THT and Walker Kessler who I'm going to be speaking about shortly as well so those three are going to kind of be my uh, key pillars as far as Utah is concerned over here and kind of going back to Walker Kessler uh, this is going to be a potentially big night for him as far as pure blocks are concerned. He, first uh, two games that he played against Sacramento didn't really get all that many minutes on the floor but he was pretty much able to get a point per minute in that time and that has only risen as the season has gone on. So uh, Walker Kessler who just continues to be one of the best rookies in the season uh, had you know, not pretty big rest over the last uh, week with Utah only playing two games and having quite a few days off in between. Had a very solid game against Boston where he racked up a solid double-double over there. And I see no reason why he can't continue that here. 
7,000 is just a very solid price range for him. Definitely in play in both cash and GPP, given the fact that he has been playing anywhere between 34 or sorry, 30 to 34 minutes while being able to get a double double on a pretty nightly basis alongside the fact that he's just an absolute block machine. So lost to like as far as Walker Kessler is concerned. And it's not as if uh, Sabotis is a defensive stalwart on their end. So but there are going to be a lot of opportunities in the paint in general, whether it be offensively or defensively before Walker Kessler, given how Sacramento likes to run their offense. So lots to like over there. Bringing us to the end of our slate altogether. And before we go out, we always jump into the Thrive Fantasy side of things to look at what our props are giving us today. And you know, I was looking through here, a couple of interesting ones here, but the ones that really did kind of stick out to me, Kind of going back to what I was talking about in terms of, first of all, really liking Jalen Green's offensive output has been on a personal tear as of late, and Golden State has been pretty pretty generous to opposing guards, especially away from home as of late. So a 24 and a half points for him to go over to end up at 120 points from a juicy Thrive Fantasy perspective is one that I really am liking my chances with here today. So you know, always looking for those big opportunities to be able to go ahead and see if we can take advantage. And that is one that seems nice to me. While sticking with my Walker Kessler side of things, uh, 23 and a half for points, rebounds, and assists combined for him to go over that to get you 100 points there. Spoken about the fact that he's gotten double-doubles in four of his last five games and just continues to uh, be incredibly efficient on the offensive end as well, averaging about 14 to 15 points in that time. So really liking his opportunity to be able to match or exceed that and 100 points awaits you if you do go ahead and take that prop. But that does bring us to the end of this slate. As always, you can catch me on Twitter at HK underscore devil, where you can talk to me about what your fantasy lineups are looking like, what your season-long fantasy is looking like. I know a bunch of you may be in your semifinal finals as well. Feel free to reach out to me. Talk to me about what your lineups are looking like and any decisions you may be thinking about there, because I play a lot of that. I think I have three finals this week and uh, some pr pretty uh, big ones coming up there. So see how those turn out for me. But until then... You guys have yourselves a great week. Enjoy the rest of your Monday and let's go out there and take down some GPPs.